Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Today I'm joined by Tangina Shapiro, the Chief Operating Officer at Curation Health. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We've, uh, you and I were talking earlier. We've had you know, Dr. Lambert, we've had Kevin on, we have uh, Danielle, who's in your HR department, and now I get to speak with the Chief Operating Officer. So I'm excited to chat. I, I'm glad to be invited to the party. Yeah, let's 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 uh, let's have a ball. This will be a ton of fun. I, I want to start things off real direct. I'd love to learn more about your background and then we'll talk more about uh, a recent byline that you put together. Sure. Sounds good. Um, so just a little background about myself. Um, I have had a um, non-traditional um, background in uh, starting in finance and then I've done some work in international development and then moving into nonprofit before I found my way into the into healthcare. Um, so I had a master's in fi finance and I worked in an investment banking firm for six months and quickly realized that that was not the um, culture or the lifestyle that I wanted to uh, be in. And so through that, I worked with uh, a large nonprofit organization based in Washington, D.C. Uh, called AARP and uh, learned a lot in terms of um, operations, uh, working with the 50 plus audience and their wants and needs and really doing a lot of research to understand how the 50 plus use technology, which is different than how your conventional uh, marketing is done for that audience. And so learned a lot through that process in account management and then in later on business development. And then uh, while I was doing my uh, executive MBA at the University of Maryland, um, I was looking to try to understand where I wanted to take my career next. And through a lot of informational interviews and networking, um, I really was interested in seeing how um, healthcare is adopting technology and how technology is changing the lives of uh, physicians as well as patients. And so through that process, um, I got, uh, uh, got to, uh, to work with uh, at Evalent Health where I managed their risk adjustment operations department. Uh, we, were, we launched a lot of the next-gen ACO lives and, and populations there. It was, a, it was a program at the time that was being uh, ramped up. And then from there, I moved to um, Curation Health about a little over two years ago. Um, really liked how Kevin uh, framed what he's doing at Curation and how he wants to build Curation as a 2.0 version. Um, and so was really excited to be able to uh, be a part of the organization. And I'm sure they're really excited to have the opportunity to work with you every day, especially given that background. I mean, I think your experience at AARP and then also uh, Evelyn Health is just a perfect matchup for, for what you're trying to, to build over there. Um, you know, that unique skill set definitely would fit in well um, with, with what's going on at Curation Health. It's funny you talk about the investment banking thing, because I actually, when I graduated college, I worked for a, a small investment bank in the telecom space, and I lasted six months. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a sales marketing person, and I always thought, you know, I, that finance was going to be my focus. Mm -hmm. um, but when I wasn't able to talk with people and the only people I would end up talking with were CFOs, which nothing against certain CFO, but a, a sales and a CFO person don't necessarily, um, they're, they're not the perfect match, right. Mm -hmm. in, in many cases, but it, nevertheless, it was funny that you mentioned that. Um, so I thought yeah, I just had that. I, I have done a lot of different roles, but I find operations to be the most exciting because it's, it's kind of like a role where you. You have your hands in different pots. Your every day is a different, uh, different experience, different uh, challenges, different problems to solve for. 
So I really enjoy that. And it also enables you, uh, me to be able to be strategic when, when it's necessary, but then also dig into and deep dive into the details um, in, in terms of trying to address problems and uh, create a better experience for our clients. Well, it's funny too, you, you, you bring that up because my next question was going to be more about your role. So you don't need to go in as much detail now because you gave us that good snapshot, but I'd love to learn more about kind of what, what does a chief operating officer role look like? Uh, really at a, at a value-based care organization like Curation Health, right? Because I'm sure it's a lot different than uh, just the traditional healthcare organizations. Yeah, and uh, you know it's really an interesting role, and I was actually um, a role that was created uh, by Kevin and myself. Uh, I joined Curation as the vice president of client success, and then um, looking at uh, opportunities to as to where the organization is and what we need, um, develop the role for the COO. And as you and I were chatting, you know, a COO role can look very different, and every single organization has a different definition for it. Um, funny story, I actually ended up uh, reading the book, um, How to Be a COO and the 16 uh, Disciplines of Success. And uh, so use, use that to help craft sort of what my role would be within Curation Health. And it's not done yet because we're still shaping it and trying to figure out like sort of where is our organization going as a whole? And then based off of that, what does the organization need from me and my, my division? So um, essentially what, we, uh, what my role is that, uh, you know, I oversee all of our client uh, implementation as well as our client success. Uh, working very close collaboration with our engineering team, with our analytics and our product team to de deliver products and services and, and deploy them in a way that is meaningful for our clients, that is easy to use for our clients. And then also the fun part of being uh, in, a, in a healthcare startup is that, you know, we're building a lot of internal tools and processes uh, to be able to support this at scale. It definitely seems like a very interesting role, and it's kind of cool that you, you got to help shape that role, too. I think um, people definitely enjoy what they're doing even more when they get when they have a say in like actually shaping their position. And I think, you know, whether there's a, a common blueprint for each role at a company, I think it's very important that any whatever someone's role is, that they have the ability to shape at least a part of it, because mm -hmm they're just going to care so much more about what they're doing right and be more involved and and it's also super interesting to be able to kind of craft your own role yes absolutely well let's let's dive into one of the the big topic uh topics at hand that you and i wanted to discuss today and that's embracing the ripple effects of value-based care can you talk us through a little bit about uh what that phrase means to you and then we'll kind of go into a little deeper dive into that overall uh topic yeah, so I think, uh, you know, value-based care has been around for, for some time, but I think, uh, you know, and you've talked to uh, members of my, of my leadership team where we, we say often that, uh, you know, even though there's still a lot of work that happens in the fee-for-service world, and especially we work a lot with physicians and uh, simplifying solutions at point of care. So being able to be able to uh, move people from a fee-for-service to a value-based care world, it, it takes a lot of time. There's a lot of change management that's involved with that. But it does, the, the, the way that I think about it, it does have a ripple effect uh, across the entire organization. You can't like dabble in risk, uh, in uh, value-based care and risk adjustment. You have to sort of be committed and be all in. And so a lot of what we've been talking about internally and with our clients is how to create that, uh, that ripple effect across all the uh, entire organization, how to get people to really understand the value-based care and 
and why it's important and what their role is within that uh, that big pie. And then also sort of looking at uh, the, the resources in terms of the people, process and technology to be able to identify where there are gaps and what needs to happen in order to move, the, move those forward in order to support value-based care in a larger scale. So let's, let's kind of continue off of that. Why, why would you say it's important to establish a, a flexible change management strategy you know, in, in relation to a key topic? I mean, so at the end of the day, change, uh, you, you know, one, of, one of the things that we have to do is we all agree that healthcare is, is, uh, is expensive in the United States and it needs to be in a more manageable cost structure. Um, for that to happen, radical shifts and changes need to happen. And so change uh, is often considered as a, as a difficult word or it, uh, it uh, elicits a lot of sort of fear and discomfort right, um, to be able to say that you're going to change from, from point A to point B. But I often look at it in terms of like, you know, what am I doing personally to, to change things about my life? And uh, a lot of what I work on is uh, a better health and better balance. Uh, and so when you do those type of change, you have to write, like understand that, you know, what, what is it that you're trying to accomplish and why are you making that change? Um, and who needs to be, because you cannot change by yourself. Like even if I want to change a, into a better habit of eating healthy or exercising, I cannot do it on my own. I do it with a group of friends, uh, with an accountability, uh, accountability partner, et cetera. So change is really um, important in order to be able to move to a better position than where you are right now. So that's the, that's the process that of change management within healthcare. And so a lot of what are the work that I myself and Dr. Lambert and others do is helping our the organizations that we work with understand why is it important to move to value-based care? And what does that change process look like? Um, who, what is, what, what is your role today versus what your role will be in a value-based care world? Helping them understand and, and showing them a pathway of how to get there is really what that is about. It's really interesting, and and change is definitely not not easy, right? There there's so many different pieces to it, and one of the most important parts when you're going through that change management management process, right, is really conducting a gap analysis of people, process, and technology. Can you talk a little bit more about um, why those three pieces are so important? Yeah, sure. Um, so you know, in a value-based care world, or in any type of world, when you're looking to make a change. Um, the components that uh, that enable that change are are the people that uh, that run that process, uh, as well as the the systems and structures that you have in place and the technology that you're using. Um, so those all those three things come into play. And as I was saying earlier, uh, when you want to do uh, something differently, you need to change these processes with the people aspect of it. You know, what training do people need in order to be able to do move from a fee for service mindset to a value based care mindset? You know, what are your internal processes today to support um, a physician workflow that is geared towards fee-for-service? How would you change that workflow for the physician to support a more value-based care world? Uh, same thing with technology. You know, you may have had a system that works well for, um, you know, uh, billing in terms of uh, 
a fever service world, but in a value-based care world, that that technology needs to evolve and needs to be um, better for uh, for the physician and for the support staff that is supporting the physician in doing a better job in terms of taking care of the patient. So all those three things, uh, looking at that and from a gap analysis perspective, and then identifying what we need to do in order to change each of those processes and continuing to, as I was saying earlier, tie it back to the why. Why is it important and how are we all going to get there? Yeah, it's, it's very hard to, to get where you want to go, right? If, if people process and technology aren't aligned, right? And, and aren't firing on all cylinders. And there's, that's, that's the same thing when, when it comes to value-based care, right? And uh, continuing to enhance that offering. What, what I'd like to, to quickly dive into before we end up wrapping up here is, can you also comment on, you know, how, how, how should organizations be uh, go about adopting incentives to, to both make quality and sustainable change actually happen faster? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think incentive alignment is important uh, because at the end of the day, when you're trying to make a change uh, to, to a better state, you want to make sure that uh, everyone that is part of that process is invested in that process. So um, incentives uh, within the value-based care world um, can be incentives to, to patients, to physicians, and uh, to the health system itself. Um, we do a lot, a lot of work with uh, advising clients in terms of how to create an incentive structure uh, with the physicians that are actually doing the work to help them enable and understand that the, the, the difference that they're making in terms of seeing the patient uh, from a fee-for-service to a value-based world is different. And so how do we compensate them for that additional work that they're doing for the additional uh, support that they're giving to their, to their patients. So incentive alignment is basically just kind of what ties it all together and, and kind of answers the question of what's in it for me uh, beyond sort of better patient care, better uh, outcomes and lower cost. Oh, I, I wanna thank you by the way, again, so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your thoughts on you know, embracing the ripple effects of, of value-based care. So I look forward to having you come on again real soon. I know there's tons of other topics we can talk about. Obviously, we, we try to keep these things short and sweet and, and you did a great job of uh, with all your questions. But that also means there's a lot more time for other topics in the future because sure. we keep it short and sweet. So uh, thanks again and uh, look forward to having you on again real soon. Sounds good. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you to everyone that listened to this week's episode of the Slice of Healthcare podcast. If you'd like to check out more of our podcasts, we're available on all the major podcast channels. And you can check us out on our website, www.sliceofhealthcare.com. And that'll have all of our past guests on there. Uh, you can see our sponsors and you can learn more about actually becoming a guest. Thanks and look forward to another episode next week.